Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Well, we are always open to questions and your comments. And when you send them in, we want to do our best to answer according to uh, the ability that God gives. And we had a question the other day sent in. And by that, we want to address it uh, based upon the biblical text in Matthew 26. Now, the expositors saying there is a situation that's difficult to explain. And Jesus and others of the apostles sat with a a leper named Simon. Now, they questioned that because a leper would have several laws pertaining to leprosy that you'll read about in Leviticus 13. They have to be first away, put in a, a place and isolated. They sit there for seven days and then if there's then another seven days, etc., and they're pronounced clean. And then if there's several different uh, laws con- concerning leprosy, and he would always walk in and say, unclean, unclean, letting everyone know that he was a leper. And here we have, in Bethany, Jesus going into the house of Simon the leper. Now, we have to understand that this is not just some uh, text that was a few uh, people got together one day and said, let's study a little Greek and Hebrew and let's make a, let's make a translation. Whenever that we have the translation of the authorized version in the 17th century, the 1612 edition of the Apocrypha, then we had many scholars working on that. They were not just uh, little graduates. They had been the top scholars in translation. Now, based upon that in a historical fact, by the first half of the 18th century, the authorized version had become effectively unchallenged as the English translation used in Anglican and other English Protestant churches, except for the Psalms and some short passages in the Book of Common Prayer of the Church of England. Over the course of the 18th century, the authorized version supplanted the Latin Vulgate as the standard version of Scripture for English-speaking scholars. With the development of the stereotype, and obviously the prep, printing at the beginning of the 19th century, this version of the Bible became the most widely printed book in history. Almost all such printings, presenting the standard text of 1769, extensively re-edited by Benjamin Blaney, at Oxford, and nearly always omitting the books of the Apocrypha. Today, the unqualified title, quote, King James Version, the authorized version, unquote, usually indicates this Oxford Standard text. Now, we had six different panels of 47 scholars that were the translators of what we call today the authorized version or King James Version. And there was three panels for the Old Testament, two panels for the New Testament, and one panel for the Apocrypha. So here we have someone studies a little Greek or a little Hebrew, Aramaic, and comes out with, well, now there's a very close association with leper with jar maker or a clay maker and they think they're going to change the meaning the meaning in Matthew 26. So the question that I received was do you believe that there is an error 
in Bethany of Jesus going to the house of Simon the leper because there's a problem with Simon being a leper, leprosy, and having, hosting a dinner in his house because of the rules and the law of leprosy. And after we read that in the text, let's take a look at it. Matthew 26. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things, he said unto his disciples, his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Now we're going to see also that same in a Bethany that's going to be in the house of Simon the Pharisee, and it's also going to be in Bethany, but it is Simon the Pharisee. We see that in Luke 7, verse 36, a total different circumstance and instance there altogether. In Luke 7, it is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And we know that because in uh, Luke 7, verse 36, it says that, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and went into the Pharisee's house, definitely a Pharisee, and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at the feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, this is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, shortly after John the Baptist's messengers there. And the Pharisees, which had bidden Jesus, saw it. He spake with himself, saying, This man, speaking of Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. Now, he doesn't give the woman's name, but she is uh, anointing the feet of Jesus with an alabaster box of ointment. Jesus answering and said unto Simon, Simon, not the leper, but Simon the Pharisee, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say all. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other one only 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Now, this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We're there at this house of Simon the Pharisee. There is an alabaster box of ointment that she breaks and puts on Jesus' feet and wipes it with her hair, crying, who was a sinner. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my head with oil that didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And those that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Now we have another Simon, but this time the leper. And it's called into question, was he really a leper? Well, the text says he is. But I say, well, that's, uh, uh, there's a problem with that. 
we have a problem in explaining and the exposition of that because of the rules and the law of the leper, our leprosy, as you read in Leviticus 13. Well, Jesus, no doubt, healed all manner of sickness and disease and went about doing good. And if the leper, and this is supposition, true, but if the leper was healed, well, obviously, he would certainly be grateful to Jesus and ask him to come and dine at his house. And that way he could say he was a leper because he had been healed. The text is correct. We will not invalidate and say the text is corrupted because if we start corrupting the Holy Writ, that God is not able to give us the Holy Scriptures, which is able to save us, then it sows doubt. Is it a major factor? Of course not. But when you have faith, now, granted, many different translations of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and any particular one, when you get into it, even an amplified, which is not a Bible, but a commentary, can at least get you to salvation being born of the water and the Spirit there in Acts 2.38. But when you get into the depth of the Word, when you get into the deep things of God, and you get into the Hebrew, Abecedary, and the Greek, then it becomes very explicit in Revelation by the Holy Ghost and through the Holy Ghost that we, through these exceedingly great and precious promises, that they are able to save us. And many will say, well, I saw this and I believe it's that. And if we have just Garba there in the Aramaic, that's leper. But if they mistranslated that instead of Garaba, then it is a pottery maker. Well, now we have since put some doubt as to the correctness of the scripture and say it seems as though the translator got it wrong. Upon what authority? Because you looked up a Greek word or you studied Greek while you were in seminary? We had 47 scholars and God has allowed this word, even when it was tried, to be stomped out and completely eradicated by many ruthless leaders, Hitler, that tried to destroy all that pertained to God, which is German God, wanted to destroy all the Bibles. And we're saying that God's not able to have a holy writ that is correct for us today. I think God knows what he's doing. He has watched over it. And the closer we come to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater the revelation we're going to have until we come to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. The word of God is the word of God, as Paul stated. That is, you have received the word of God, which is truly the word of God. Now, it's not Gorabba. It's not a potter or clay maker. It is Garba. Leper. Did Jesus heal him? Probably. Because he's having dinner in his house. So we go on down. They assemble together the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people at the palace of the high priest, which was called Caiaphas, and they consult that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. This is not the first of the ministry. This is at the latter end of Jesus' ministry before Passover. And they said, well, not on the Sabbath or not on the high holy day or Passover, the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Verse 6, this was what was called into question. This is Matthew 26, verse 6. Now, when the feast was in Bethany, 
in the house of Simon the leper. Well, now they said that should be Garaba. That should be the clay maker or the clay or the potter. But it clearly states the leper, Garba, not Garaba. So we say it with the holy text and saying that we're going and not trains the word of God based upon we had some kind of, we think, revelation. <laughs> so you see where we're coming from. God, through the word of God, we will see that it looks like direct contradictions in the word of God. We'll see it in Solomon's, Solomon's porch. When in one state in Kings, it's going to say it's 30 cubits high. We see it again in Chronicles as 120 cubits high. Direct contradiction. And they will run, and those that are against the word of God will say, oh, there it is, a direct contradiction, not understanding the spiritual significance of that word. One states 30 cubits high, another one 120 cubits high, four times greater until we see the revelation of that. And in the spirit, it will make perfect, perfected sense. But not in the natural. It will literally, in the natural, be a direct contradiction in facts. But in truth, it will be revelation. So we need to give the earnest heed to these scriptures, lest a singular one promise, a singular promise slip any of us that we should sink to court, come short of entering into his rest. Know that the word of God is the word of God. I collect Bibles and thank God for them. Everything from the Apocrypha to Amplified, which is nothing but a commentary, to various uh, translations, the ESB, uh, the NASB, and in uh, the American Standard, and it on and on. And uh, the NLT, Living Translations, uh, the New King James Version, that's fine. But when we look and read for Revelation, we stand by the authorized version, the King James Version, and that before 1925, and little small things that they have changed. For example, Savior. They will pronounce it and spell it S-A-B-I-O-R, six letters. But every letter and every jot and every tittle in the Word of God has a particular revelation in itself because Jesus stated not one jot or one tittle of this law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus shall fail. Well, somebody said, well, that's only... What's the difference? Savior, S-A-V-I-O-R, six letters, versus the original text, S-A-V-I-O-U-R, and we have a U in there with seven letters. Well, it's like a person reading the book of Chronicles, and so and so beget, so and so beget, 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 and they say, this is so boring but yet you're feeding the inner man. And as we study the names and what it means and the beget beget, and all of a sudden here's Peleg. In his days, the land was divided. <laughs> Here we have a pig, a lamed, and a gamel. Three Hebrew letters that in his day, the land was divided. And then it goes on. And you think, well, what is that? What stands out like a sore thumb? And many like things in the word of God. There's revelation there. And that pay is the mouth. Lamed to teach, the gobble to bridge over. And there's revelation in everything that God does in the word of God. To the point that Jesus said, not one jot or one tittle of this law will fail. The word of God stands sure and steadfast. The purpose of this podcast is simply to encourage you that you do have a holy writ. You do have a word in the authorized version that you can believe is the trusted, true, 
incorruptible word of God that God has watched over to give us in these last days to bring us into perfection. That's how we're made partaker of his divine nature. Through these exceedingly great and precious promises that we might be made partakers of his divine nature, escaping the corruption of the world through lust. And it's through these scriptures that we have a transformation in our mind. We see that, we have to know that in order to do the will of God. If I just stayed out and just prayed and prayed and prayed, that would be wonderful. And I would seek God to align my will in prayer with the will of God and not the will of the flesh. To align my will with the will of the Spirit is why we pray and to give him glory, but also to align our will with the will of God. But why the word? Why is that so essential and so important? Why? Because I can hear a preacher preach. We can hear a man of God preach. And as we hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and we think that's just to hear to fall upon our ears. But it's to hear to understand and through that obey unto righteousness. It requires a transformation. Well, how do we do that? How do we know and hear the voice of God? Through hearing a preacher preach? No. We have to seek God diligently ourselves. We have to literally take our Bibles. And I recommend the authorized version, the King James Version. We are King James Purist. We believe that is the authorized version that God looks over as his uh, incorruptible seed of the word of God. And that everything in it is, in fact, in truth, the word of God. Now, with that said, through these exceedingly great and precious promises, that we seek God through that. Just as Paul stated, we have to know the voice of God. If we don't know the voice of God, then how can we obey the individual calling of God in our life? It's a personal relationship in hearing and knowing the voice of God. The lambs, the newborn babies don't know it. My sheep know my voice, Jesus said, and a stranger they will not follow. That means they've grown. When Peter came in after Jesus' resurrection, and there they were fishing and caught nothing. Then Jesus, uh, on the shore, there beckoned them, and they threw out a net and caught 153 fish. Somebody said, well, why 153? Why not 160? Why not 200 or 100? 153, which is 17 times 9. Or 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 8 plus 9 plus 10 plus 11 plus 12 plus 13 plus 14 plus 15 plus 16 plus 17 in succession. And adding equals 153. So it's line upon line, line upon line. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, 17 being the seventh prime or the feast of sevens or the feast of revelation of tabernacles, which is the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. That is the book of this prophecy being under perfection. And 17 is that seventh prime. Well, when we see that, then we understand that everything, not only does the letter have its own meaning, but it also has a numerical value, which gives further, further truth in that letter, which also has a picture, a pictorial that goes with it, that gives us even greater revelation. When we do that with the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Writ. Then in the spirit, we are carried to deep fathoms, the deep calling into the deep. 
And every letter has a spiritual significance in the word of God. To the point that Jesus said in the significance of that word that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. We stand upon that word because it is the Holy Red. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Jesus in us, leads us and guides us into all truth. Don't be swayed to turn to the right hand or to the left, but look to your Savior, your Creator, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Jesus-only doctrine, and He will lead you into the true, real Jesus. He is now restoring that faith that was once delivered to the saints, to those that have an ear to hear. God is putting his body together now, gently framing it and compacting it together to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. There we in the body of Christ must do the will of God. We've gone for a lamb. My, the, the sheep know my voice. Peter, when he came to that shore with 153 fish, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Those are the ones that are just coming into God. They're newborn babes and little children. And he said, feed them. Take heed to yourselves and over all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Acts 20, 28. But be very sure, as Paul stated, the very next verse in Acts 20, 28 to Acts 20, 29, but after my departure, grievous wolves shall come in, not sparing the flock with perverse things, perverse faith, things that will be perverse as concerning the true faith that we're earnestly contending for now, the faith that was once delivered to the saints. God is doing it now. We must do the will of God. Then he says to Peter again, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these, more than these fish, more than your worldly possessions? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Now we're talking from lambs to sheep. That's a second level. It went from Passover to Pentecost. But there's another level. Saying the third time, and after the third day, and three is the number of resurrection, that I will raise you up, the body of Christ, and you will live in my sight. You will come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ unto perfection. You will grow up in him in all things, in all truth, and a new thing, making a new vessel a new wine put in a new wineskins. That's you, the body of Christ. You are God's husbandry. You are God's temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. That you should bring forth these praises of Jesus Christ unto the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus unto perfection. How do we do that? He tells Peter, he asks one more time, the third time. Three is always the number of resurrection, not the number of the Godhead, the number of, of being raised up. We see that in Hosea 6, 1 through 4. After the second day, I'll revive you. In that third day, in that third day, I will raise you up. You will live in my sight. That's what happened to John in Revelation 4, 1. A door was open in heaven. A voice of a trumpet talking with him, saying, come up hither. I'm going to raise you up. And I'm going to show you things. Things of faith, not a rapture where you've had a bodily resurrection. Not the Harpazo rapture where we have raised from the dead. But raised up in a higher glory in Revelation. And he said, a voice of a trumpet talked with me, John said, saying, come up hither, I'll raise you up, and I will show you things. Not a rapture, 
but it's revelation. I will show you things, things of faith, which must come to pass hereafter. That was 92 AD. Well, after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by Titus, son of Vespasian, as Jesus stated in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 10, Luke 21. So we see that we're in the last of the last days. Feeding those sheep, that final third. After the third day, I'll raise you up. We're in that third day now. We're in this 2022. How do we know the voice? How can we do the will of God? How do we know that we know that we know? Because we have to seek God and add to a faith virtue. Be virtuous to the Lord. Be honest with him. In prayer, don't try to cover sin, but expose everything to the Lord your maker and overcome the devil, the world, and your own flesh, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, seeking God in obedience unto do his will, will always bring forth victory. And this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You add it to your faith, virtue. Then virtue, knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge, but we're growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we add to our knowledge, temperance. Those that strive for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. That's what's happening now in the body of Christ. To the real Jesus, not this fake, phony, second person of the Godhead business. No such thing. It's a false doctrine, a demigod. But there's a true God. There's a true Jesus, the real Jesus, the true and only God Almighty, the blessed and only potentate, that is the omnipotent Almighty God, Jesus Christ, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. Jesus, that man is that God, made a quickening spirit. He is both Lord and Christ, Acts 2.36. He is that blessed, omnipotent God Almighty, the Spirit of God. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He is the Almighty, Revelation 1, 8. He is the Father, John 8, 24. God's revealing that now. Many people are coming out of darkness into this marvelous light, the true Jesus. Now you'll rebuke the devil, and he will rebuke. Why? Because you've drawn nigh to God, he draws nigh to you. You have the revelation of Jesus. Now you've gone from newborn babes, born of the water and the spirit, baptized after you repent, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit, the promises unto you, your children, to the many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now that gets you in as a newborn babe. You're not full grown, but then there's a higher revelation. You go from a newborn babe desiring then sincere milk of the word, you may grow thereby, to little children. And John tells us, I reign you little children, 1 John 2, 12 through 14, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, and you've known the Father. You know that Jesus is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory. Jesus Christ is the Father. Ah, now, that is and dispels the Trinity doctrine that Jesus is the Father of glory. He stated that in John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. There, we don't stop. We go from the little children to doing the will of God. How do you do that? Well, you grow to young men. I write to you young men because the Word of God is strong in you. You've got to get to the Word of God. Well, if somebody says the Word of God's not right, the Garaba should be just a jar maker, a pottery maker, not leper Garba. And they sow doubt, and it seeds of doubt in the Word of God. <laughs> you have a trusted Bible of the Holy Writ of the Word of God. And when you start seeking God, then God will start speaking to you in and through that word. 
and you will know personally that it is real, that it is in truth God's word. And when you do, nobody can take that from you because you've had a personal experience, a personal relationship with your Lord God Almighty, the Father of glory, who is the Son of God, the Father revealed Jesus Christ. And when you've got that, nobody can take it away from you. Well, I write to you, young man, because the Word of God is strong in you and you've overcome the wicked one. The only way you can overcome the wicked one is through obedience to the Word of God and to righteousness. Romans 6. So what do we do? Well, we have to get the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God in all of his attributes, a lot through the top, the A to Z, Jesus is, but made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself took upon him the form of a servant. That servant is God Almighty, the Father of glory. You see it in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. You see it in Isaiah 43, 10 through through 17, that he is the Lord, your Savior, God, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, not a Holy Trinity. Now you're getting on the true revelation of Jesus. You're getting the power of God in truth as you grow in, in that grace You grow in that grace. You grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So you're going to prove the will of God. Somebody said, well, I've tried, but I hadn't hadn't heard from God. Well, you seek for God. Seek for him diligently with all your heart. You're going to find him. We have that promise. If you ask, you'll find. Seek, you'll find. Not going to be open. And uh, that has going to be given you. But it's an opportunity. It means you keep on. You don't ever become at ease in Zion. Woe be to them that are at ease in Zion. And Jesus said, I'll search Jerusalem with candles. Punish all them that are set on their lease. We must be stirred up, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if you be any otherwise minded, God will reveal this even unto you, Paul stated to the church at Philippi. It still stands true today. Facts change. Truth never changes. And what is the truth? Jesus is that spirit. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You have the word of God. So we must do the will of God to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. We see that in Matthew 7. Not all the saying to Jesus, Lord, Lord, he states, will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven only those that do the will of God, the will of the Father. Mm. Many was going to profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in, thy, in your name, in thy name. And in thy name, we cast that devil. And in thy name, we prophesied. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Depart. He didn't part from you. You had to depart from him because we didn't do the will of God. How do you do the will of God? Seeking him? Where? In the word. Don't just take some pastor behind a pulpit telling you what your will for your life is. He can't tell you what the will of God for your life is. Only God can lead you and guide you into all truth. Now we have Apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers of fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That is gifts to you as servants to the Lord Jesus Christ to help you come unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ and to a perfect man. But the will of God has to be worked out through you, the individual believer. And God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that is not a general faith. It is an individual faith to do the will of God. Individually, members in particular, according to the calling of God and his purpose in your life, your individual life. And when you find that it's peace, that not as the world gives, 
My peace I give unto you, the Lord said. It's peace in knowing that you've done the will of God and he's well pleased in you. There's nothing like it. It is the peace of God, serenity, placid, that knowing that you've done the will of God. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you have been born again of the water and spirit, Acts 2.38, Acts 4.12, Acts 8.16, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22, unknown, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, born of the water. After you've repented and you receive the Holy Ghost, that begins your growth. That's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. Now you've got to, you have to, and I have to grow up into him in all things. Faith is the substance of things. And that faith that he has given to me will be a different call that he's given to you, the individual believer. So we will provoke into good works. And while it's called day, to lift up the body of Christ of which every joint supplied. That's one bone going to another bone. One member joining to another member in the body of Christ. And by us joining together, whichever joint supplied to the edifying of itself in love. And that's why we need each other. The body of Christ growing together, edifying itself in love, which works faith. Faith works by love. Everything that God does, the catalyst is love. The perfection is through the love of God. Not that he first, that we loved him first, but he first loved us. And while we were yet sinners, the love of God passes all understanding. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. But we can separate ourselves through disobedience. So how do we know? We become newborn babes. Then we go to little children. We have the revelation. He is the father. We've grown. He is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. We've grown. Now we have to get in the word because a young man going to that state of a young man in you, that Christ in you, that next level of young man is the word of God being strong in you. How do you get there? Listen to a preacher preach? No. Because in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is each one of us our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Come out of the world. Be ye separate. And I'm not talking about a dress code here. I'm not talking about the length of a woman's dress. I think we should dress in modesty and sobriety, of course. But we're not talking about a dress code. We're talking about the condition of that heart. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed, a total transformation. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's only through the word of God. And you present your body as a living sacrifice upon that altar, mortifying the deeds of the flesh. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust to find the will of God and do it. Not your own will, not your purpose and what you want, but the purpose and will of God for your life. Without which that if we do not do, will not have entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It's that critical. That is that straight a gate and narrow the way that few find it. And it's all doing the will of God for you individually. If God tells you this is your calling and you have 15 different pastors and denominations telling you no, you can believe man or you can believe God. Believe God. He will, through your obedience, make your calling and election sure steadfast in the faith of Jesus, you will know that you know there is no, no case or chance of failing because you've added to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, the God life and godliness, brotherly kindness, 
brotherly kindness, charity. If all these things are in you, there is no way the Bible says that you will fail of the grace of God. You will do his will, not through your own works, but through the grace that effectually works in you upon your heart and your outward reflection in life in obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, doing the will of God. Every one of us have to do that. Then that body will come forth in the pure image of Jesus Christ. Not all will be apostles. Not all will be prophets. Not all will be teachers. Not all will be workers of miracles. Not all will be governments or helps. But God will put in the body as it has pleased him, not us. So the quest for life is finding the will of God, the purpose of God in each of our lives and doing it. And he tells us how. That we, after we have presented our bodies a living sacrifice for Romans 12, 1, that we're not conformed to this world, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God, seeking him, that what? That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for each of us is. We make our calling and election sure and steadfast as an anchor to the soul, doing the will of God, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in us, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. So it's through the word of God that we are then come to the stage of young men, not the outward man that perishes daily, but the inward man that grows up into Jesus in all things unto perfection. We start out as newborn babe. Then we go to little children. John tells us that in his epistle. 1 John 2, 12 through 14. Then we go to from little children to young men. You've really grown up inside the Christ in you, feeding the inner man, the word of God, eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood, not only being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, proving the will of God in your life, making your calling and election sure. For whatever the individual purpose of God in your life is that you are in obedience doing it. And then from there, through the word of God being strong in you, and you've overcome the wicked one, overcoming the devil, the worldly desires, and your own fleshly desires, in the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of that flesh, the lust of the eyes. You don't love the world. You come out of the world. Any man love the world, love the fathers, not in them. You can't have money, mammon, and God too. It is impossible. That is a lie that this so prosperity gospel has fed to the people, which is and will show that they fall into many hurtful lusts and diverse temptations that will be rich. And even if the riches increase, we don't set our heart upon them. We stay rich toward God, not toward ourselves. Using it for the gospel's sake that we will be for every good work, bound, bound to every good work in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord getting finances to you so he can get it through you. And then you're not rich towards self because you're setting up treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. But where that treasure is, where you have spent your life, all your, your effort in money and working, you're rich toward God and not rich toward self. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Then you come to the final step, fathers. That's where we are now in the body of Christ. Can you trust the Holy Word of God? Can you trust the authorized version? Yes. God is not without witness having a holy writ. The Word of God, which is the Scriptures that's able to save it. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. This is a false translation. Or this should be this. Who are they? Let the Holy Ghost lead you. I don't care if they got a DDV, a PhD of theology. I don't care if they know Hebrew 
Latin, Greek, Aramaic, Chaldean, everything in every language in the world. Let the Holy Ghost lead you because he is the spirit of truth and he is the one you answer to. Let's come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ doing the will of God. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. As we want you to contact us. God's putting the body of Christ together now. And if the Lord's dealing with you, certainly let's work together. I need to hear from you. There, the phone number is on the screen. And if you're listening to a podcast, it is the country code plus one. My area code is 903-746-4885. We're getting a lot of phone calls. This is a ministry phone. Please leave a message and I will get back to you. Let's work together. Now, if God hadn't told you or compelled you to do so, then don't call. But if he has, don't procrastinate. God's putting and placing the body together as it is pleasing him now for the work of the ministry that will go to the nations of this world. We need to hear from you. There you can also, again, please call plus one. 903-903-746-4885. Or you can write to me. Dennis Beard Ministries, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code 75606. You can also there download our free app, Sealing God's People, where we have our daily podcast. And also go to our websites. We'd love to hear from you there. SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com, and also our ministry website, DennisBeard.org. Dennis, D-E-N-N-I-S, Beard as in Whiskers, .org. <laughs> we love to hear from you. <clears throat> Working together, we have many nations calling now, and we certainly need to answer that call. God dealing with you, let's do it together. Now, we want to... Pray that God perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.